Yo, what's up? Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Lakers win a playoff game for the first time in 3,016 days. So LZ is having some technical difficulties. We will have him on shortly. But Greg Bergman, you are a Laker fan. I'd like to call you one of your alter egos, Laker boy. What does it feel like? As a lifelong Laker fan, born and bred here in Southern California, it's, to have it, it, your first Laker playoff win in 3,016 days. It's, it's been such a long 3,016 days, George. I, I didn't know that this was actually going to happen again. It's back now. I feel so much better. It just, I feel uh, it's, it's like I, all of a sudden it's just a big weight off my shoulders. The Lakers are winning playoff games again uh in and in a huge way too they absolutely destroyed portland yesterday and it was fantastic yeah it's one of these deals where look man anthony davis can i get some credit here can lz and i get some credit bergman for motivating anthony davis not only did i go on twitter and tell anthony davis yo you gotta be the best player on the floor, okay? You are a top five big man in the league. You're the best big man in the league, in my opinion, and certainly the best big man on the floor. you got to act like it. This is what you wanted if you were Anthony Davis. You wanted to get out of New Orleans. You wanted to leave to come to the Lakers. You wanted the championship expectations. And now, finally, he stepped up and gave people what they needed to see in that first game. He did it in the second game, and it was a blowout victory. So can we get a little credit can LZ and I get a little credit for motivating AD? I mean, obviously, without you two, he would never have actually stepped up and played. It, it was you. Thank there you. you go. Thank you. That, you, get a, yeah. you get an applause. It was all you guys. Thank you. Yes. It wasn't we Frank did Vogel. It. We it wasn't did it. Rajon Rondo. It was, all, it was you guys. Yeah. Thank you, guys. And the Latina that slapped him. Yes, of course. <laughs> Laura was very much... <laughs> In favor of a Latina slapping him. Somebody needed to slap him. I'm just happy it happened. Oh, I mean, whatever it took, right, mm -hmm. to get the win. He was a monster. And he was a monster at center, Greg Bergman, uh, which I think is something I've also been screaming about, it feels like, for months, is that he needs to play center more. So here's some sexy stats for you. Um, Laura, can you find me? I Actually, that should be like a bit that we do. Can you find me like sexy music? Because, um, see, Mason and Ireland, they do sassy stats, right? Um, which I gave back to John in our conversation about James Harden and his defense during purgatory. But I want to call them sexy stats. Do we have, like, some sexy music? Give me some baby-making music or something. You don't got anything there I could go a little baby-making music with? I mean, okay, just it's fine. Um, so here's what AD at center was. Huge. 15 minutes of play plus 15 in those 15 minutes of play, Okay. The opponent's field goals in those 15 minutes, Greg Bergman, against Anthony Davis. This is what he did defensively. Because here's the thing. We talk about what his impact is offensively as the center, which it, there was tremendous impact there. AD scored 22 of his 31 points uh, as he was playing center in those 15 minutes. But here's what he did to Portland defensively. They shot 5 of 22 in those 15 minutes he played center for 23% from the field. That is the type of impact that I've been calling for. This is why I've been telling him you need to play center because you're basically doing the thing where you take Portland out of their comfort zone. 
you're putting them in a position where all of a sudden everything changes. You have more speed. You can play inside-outside. It opens lanes for LeBron. It gives the shooters more space to work with. And by the way, give Frank Vogel some credit for making that adjustment too. Um, you know, it having the, the fact that AD was willing to play center, now all of a sudden you take one of those seven-footers potentially off the floor. You're forcing Portland to play to you and your strengths. Uh, LZ's on the phone with us. LZ, I just uh, we just got a round of applause. You missed it. Maybe Laura can play it again. Because I said you and I, for the last couple of days, have sat here trying to motivate AD to play like the best big man on the planet, and he showed us that there yesterday. Yes, yes, he finally. First of all, apologies. I don't know what's going on with the technologies, but uh, it appears as if I'll be on the phone for the duration of the show, which is May not sound great, but I'll try my best to uh, keep things lively. But, yeah, um, AD looked like the dude we traded for. And, by the way, Lonzo looked like the, the dude we traded away, but we'll talk about that later. Um, AD looked like the best big man on the planet, completely unstoppable, and certainly didn't shrink um, from smaller defenders. That was my biggest criticism about his game one was that he seemed to have been caught up in like this notion that he needed to be like this finesse player against this team because he can't be stopped when he's finesse. And that's nice, but you also can't be fin- stopped when you're power, when you use your length and your height and your jumping ability and you play around the rim. That doesn't make you less of a skilled basketball player to play to your advantages. You know, I don't, I don't know why people feel that unless you show your entire repertoire, somehow you're less than a complete baller. No, if they can't stop your jab step, then just jab them to death. And for AD, you're just bigger than everyone else, and that's okay. Another team, another time, do all the other tricksy stuff you want to do in the perimeter, play the four, do all of that, fine. But for this moment against this team, play to your strength. It's not that hard. Get your big ass down the blocks and make them pay for not having a big body that can keep up with you. Well, and it's not just that. that last night. Yeah, and it's not just that, LZ, on the offensive end, although obviously, you know, there's no question about that. 22 of his 31 points, I mentioned a second ago, um, were, uh, you know, when he played center for 15 minutes. He scored 22 points in 15 minutes uh, while he played center. Uh, but Laura now has I, – I, we're going to start doing a bit here. Mason and Ireland do what they call sassy stats. Uh, you and I, I feel like we should do sexy stats. Are you good with that, sexy stats? Well, I don't know. In the Me Too era, should I be sexy? I think we should be more neutral, shouldn't we? No, we could be sexy. We could, st- we could bring sexy back again. We can bring sexy back again. Yeah. All right, I'm down with bringing sexy. So sexy stats it is. Okay, so here are my sexy stats. Laura, give me the sexy stats music for LZ. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Put, put it a little louder so he can hear. Little pony for you, LZ. Oh, so, I can hear it now. Yeah. So here is the sexy stats. Opponent field goal. For the Portland Trailblazers, when Anthony Davis is at center, 5 for 22 in those 15 minutes at center for a 23% field goal percentage. 
for the Portland Trail Blazers why Anthony Davis is at center. That is your sexy stat of the day. That's pretty sexy. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I, but I, I would say, though, that he's not exactly facing offensive juggernauts either. I mean, Nurtures is skilled, but, I mean, come on. White side, what do you mean? Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But I'm not going to take away from his defensive effort, and hopefully he finishes even the, either first or at the very least second in the defensive player of the year voting. Uh, he's been outstanding all year in protecting the realm. He's been able to stay out there regardless of the lineups he faced, in large part because there is no disadvantage from him being on the floor. In other words, go ahead, run your high screen and roll. AD can keep up. You know, so... There's nothing you can do to expose him. This isn't your prototypical seven-footer out there. He can go all around the court. So no matter what you do, his defensive presence is going to deter you from going about your execution the way that you think you would under normal circumstances with a different seven-footer out there. So my only thing now for Anthony Davis, you ready for it? Yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm, – after you played my pony – I'm just curious as to where you're going after this. Now do it again. Do it again. Do it every night. This ain't New Orleans. This is the Los Angeles Lakers, the crown jewel of the NBA. 16 championships. You were brought here to help bring at least one more. Now do it again. What do you think happened game one? Because I, this is a guy, remember, and, I'm, I'm, and everyone does, this is a guy that led the New Orleans team to sweeping pretty much the same core of players. Now, obviously, some of the younger players were rookies, if not first- or second-year players back then, and that was a couple of years ago. Nonetheless, he was a monster, averaging over 30 points a game in, in a very high-percentage shooting. But game one, that showed up. Why? Uh, I don't know, man. I, he just goes through these spells, you know, and and – and it's like, you know, remember in New Orleans, LZ, before we go to break, I can just tell you this. It's very simple, right? Um, he can just go out there and coast and get 30 points because <laughs> he was the best player. And if they lost, like, oh, well, man, I ain't got nobody to play with. But now, even you can put up a bad 27-point game, right? Like, you, you know, especially in the yeah. playoffs, right? Like, they could be empty, and that's what it was. It felt a little empty in game one. And I think that... It, sometimes you need that to be like, oh, yeah, this is different here than what I thought it was going to be. And that can still happen even in the playoffs that you can get snapped into that pretty quickly. Well, I'm, I'm just happy that he snapped out of it. Yeah. Um, because if they had gone down 0-2 against this team, um, you know, it's hard to see them coming back in to win the series. It was really hard to see them coming back. Last night was a must win. It was a must-win because they needed to reestablish themselves. And I think AD did that, and they had just enough perimeter shooting to, you know, complement him. The defense was outstanding in the first game, just like it was in the second game. So it wasn't about the defense, in my opinion, even though Dame Lillard's scoring output was basically cut in half from game one to game two. I felt like defensively, they were still good in game one. It's just shots weren't falling, and AD was falling on the ground way too much this game game two he was a man down there 
And thankfully, KCP was able to knock down some jumpers to keep things open for him. Yeah, KCP finally hit some shots too. Look, things finally came together yesterday, and it's nice when a plan uh, finally comes together. So we'll we'll get into that, certainly, and we've got a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, LZ, hopefully we will get you connected here very soon. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, and Dave McMiniman is going to stop by in about 10 or 12 minutes. We will chat with Dave McMiniman and discuss last night's game. But coming up next, Greg, what is the young man's name, uh, the Kobe Murals Twitter and Instagram handle? What is his name? Gustavo Zermano. Gustavo Zermano Jr. Uh, will join us next. I want to talk to him. Kobe Day is Monday, 824. LZ and I will not be on on Monday. So we want to talk to this young man about what he does with this Twitter and Instagram handle. It's just fantastic stuff. If you're not following it, you should if you're a Kobe fan or a Laker fan. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tadano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Dave McMiniman going to join us in seven minutes. We will talk to him about the Lakers win as they even up the series against the Portland Trailblazers at one apiece. Sean McVay is going to join us at 6 o'clock, the Rams head coach. Make sure you stick around for that. Uh, look, I mentioned Kobe Day, 824, is on Monday. We will not be on because the Lakers will coincidentally be playing, which is great too. Uh, so, I, look, one of my favorite things uh, that we've been discussing here on social and here on the show has been these Kobe murals. And with 824 coming up and Kobe Day coming up, we wanted to talk to uh, one of the muralists and uh, the muralist of muralists, uh, Gustavo Cermeño Jr., who joins us now here on 710 ESPN. Gustavo, thank you so much for the time, buddy. Um, I guess, when did you start creating these murals and, and how... Um, how did you become inspired to to create these Kobe murals? Oh, well, uh, thanks for having me. Um, well, I, first I started off uh, uh, painting in high school, and uh, I, I was doing a bunch of uh, canvas work, uh, drawing canvases and stuff. And then about four years ago is when I uh, started doing murals. And uh, Kobe just was always a huge inspiration to me. So Kobe was actually one of my first murals that I did, I, I did a mural of him out on, uh, in Arlington Heights right there on Washington and Arlington. Mm -hmm. And then from there, uh, I mean, my love for sports in general just, you know, kept it going with the Laker murals and, uh, you know, Dodger murals, Kings murals and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, Kobe being such a big inspiration, it just kept going. So how many Kobe murals have you created specifically? Um... Uh, I haven't even counted. I, I probably got like probably like ten at this point. Wow. Uh, seven of those coming after him passing, though. Right. Right. Where are the general locations of them? Like, you don't have to give me like street corners, but just like what parts of the city so people can see them. Uh, so mainly like out on the uh, west side, like uh, you know Venice area, and then I uh, Santa Monica, uh, like mid city area, and then uh, I actually have a few out in uh, Miami, uh, out in Wynwood. Oh, is that the one with Dwayne Wade? 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Where him and Kobe have, are standing uh, like at the free throw line or whatever, waiting for like a free throw, or, and they're kind of hunched over. Exactly, yeah. So uh, the day that Kobe passed away, we were actually on a flight to Miami. So uh, once we touched down, um, we started asking around, and uh, basically I was able to get a couple walls out there. Oh, wow. That's that's pretty wild. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that news must have hit really hard. And, like, what once that happened, right, we were all mourning. Obviously, we saw the whole mm-hmm. city really mourning. Uh, I mean, where we work at, you know, L.A. Live, it, it was it was like going to a funeral for a, a week straight. It, you know, it was inc- it was incredible to see the passion and the love that people had mm-hmm. for Kobe. How much how much did that inspire you to to create those other seven, though? Like like the, the seven that you created after that, like what was what were some of the themes, I guess, to those? Um, I mean, I, I kind of, I, you know, a, a couple of them, I, I kind of went outside of what I normally do. I, I did like a Renaissance style one. Uh, that one I did because uh, we were out by like the museums, by like LACMA, that whole area, like Fairfax area. Um, I did another one, uh, Born and Raised did a collaboration with the Lakers uh, not too long ago. Uh, me being a big fan of, you know, Lakers and that brand, I kind of combined those and did a Kobe piece based on that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I try to, you know, I, I've been a fan for so long. I, I try to incorporate things that I feel like he would have liked himself. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of a, a way that I try to tackle it versus just like simple copy and paste photo of him, I guess. Right, right, for sure. Which is the one you're most proud of? Um, I did one not too long ago uh, out in Glendale at a place, Toro Grill House. Um, that, that, that one, I feel like, uh, it, it celebrates all his championships. And then, uh, the middle piece is kind of him looking up with, over his shoulder, giving that, you know, that Mamba death stare. So <laughs> that, that one, uh, I, I feel like, uh, I executed pretty good, um, as like, you know, just composition wise. And then, uh, just the way it came out, I, I feel like it flows very well. That's pretty awesome. Tell people again where it is so they can check it out. Uh, that one's in Glendale. I don't have the exact address, but it's at Toro Grill House. Okay, cool. Um, well, I'll look it up for you in the break, and I'll make sure on the other side to let people know if they want to check it out in Glendale. Um, um, and, of course, they can look up. Where can people find your work? Is there somewhere online they can see it? Yeah, uh, my Instagram is at gz.jr. Um, and then uh, you could also Google that, and then my website pops up and just various articles and stuff, links to, you know, all that good stuff, email and all, you know, if anyone wants to get in contact and, you know, possibly collab or work together. Awesome, man. Gustavo Zermeno Jr. joining us here on 710 ESPN. Hey, man, thanks for the time. Stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll be looking forward to your next mural. Likewise, and thank you for having me, guys. You got it, man. Take care. All right, Dave McMiniman is going to join us in two minutes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. LZ's having some technical issues. Dave McMiniman is going to join us here in a second. Sean McVay at 6 o'clock as we get you caught up on 
the Lakers. What a difference a day makes, right? <laughs> it's just that simple. What a difference a day makes. Um, is Dave there? So Bergman, let me ask you this. Yes, what sir. do you now what do you now feel or how do you now feel about this team? Like they have gone from their worst offensive performance in the entire season in game one to looking like the team we saw before the bubble. Um, what, what else do you, what, what do you need to see here moving forward? Because I don't think, look, I, I think that the series is going to be short anyway. Like, I don't think it's still, I still think it's not going more than six. Um, but what would you like to see from a Lakers perspective? Like, do you want to see Anthony Davis at center? Do you want to see more of him there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I obviously want to see him at center. The team is just better when he's at center. But I just, I want to see consistency. I want to see Anthony Davis playing like that every single game. LeBron James playing like he did in game one every single game. I just want consistency. Dave McMiniman joins us now here on the show. So, Dave, in 15 minutes at center, Anthony Davis was a plus 15. The Blazers shot 5 of 22, 23%, and AD scored 22 two of his 31 points in those 15 minutes. Why doesn't he play there more? A couple of reasons. Uh, Frank Vogel doesn't want to disenfranchise JaVale McGee, who's literally started every single game. Um, he's been healthy this season for the Lakers. Anthony Davis has stated repeatedly that center's not his preferred position. Um, and the Lakers are still courting a guy who could potentially walk away from the franchise. Let's not forget that. Um, so there is certainly pressure, I would think, that Frank Vogel would feel to do what that superstar wants to do. Um, and as JaVale said the other day when I asked him about it, like, what's the benefit of you starting versus Anthony starting? If you have it as a secondary lineup that you can go to, why do you need to do it all the time? It, you know, having something that can be sprung on a defense where they can't prepare for it, can make it all that more effective. And, and if you can do it 15 to 20 minutes a game and get a 15 to 20-point cushion like they did in game two, I think that's plenty um, because it wasn't like, you know, JaVale McGee was no, any slouch yesterday either. I mean, he played well to start the game off. It was his energy and KCP's energy that got the Lakers going in the first quarter. Look, I, I'm not saying he needs to start. Like, I'm fine with that, and especially because I know – players, coaches, et cetera, creatures of habit. You know, they don't like to feel like they're panicking or whatever and, you know, changing things up. But I do think that the wrinkle needs more than 15 minutes, I think, especially uh, in certain matchups. And this is the one matchup that I think it's most important um, because, you know, they've got too many big bodies. And if there's too many big bodies in there, if you're playing two big men, with Anthony Davis and Dwight, or Anthony Davis and JaVale, and they are putting out their Nurkic and Whiteside, you're just creating a bigger challenge for both Anthony Davis and LeBron. So I, I think that 15 minutes to me, while it worked in that game, I you know I also think that it was an outlier game for Portland, right? As much as it was an outlier game for the Lakers in, in game one, like Portland had their worst offensive output of the season in yesterday's game. So I don't I don't expect that to be the case moving forward either. So they, they did they did 21 minutes in game one, and they were outscored by five in those 21 minutes. So it's not like automatic, right? Like you give up. Well, but that's because they weren't hitting shots. It's be a bigger result. 
Yeah, but that that's because they weren't hitting shots. It was also a, the worst output of the season for so the are Lakers. You saying yesterday was just because they were hitting shots. I mean, like you can't have it both ways. You can't say it wasn't anyway. working one game because they weren't hitting shots, and then the next game it was only working because they're hitting shots. Well, is that Dave, any type what, of lineup Dave, you use? Dave, what I could say is I could take the larger sample of when he's played center for the Lakers, and that more times than not, it has produced um, pretty big dividends. Is what I would say. What I'm saying is that your I mean, your game they, one analogy is the outlier a plus, here. A plus four, around plus four points net rating per 100 possessions when he played it during the regular season. Right, but they only played it like seven or eight minutes tops. No, they played it 406 minutes. No, but I'm saying on average per this for the season oh, on per average. game. Right, right, I got yeah, you. yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but like, listen, like you've heard the quotes from Anthony Davis. What's Frank Vogel supposed to do? Um, well, maybe it's not on Frank Vogel. Maybe it's LeBron to be like, yo, if we're going to win, like you're just going to have to suck it up and do it. Maybe, or maybe Anthony Davis, who's listed with a sore right knee right now, will be turned off by the idea of you aren't taking care of me. I've made it clear what I want to do, and now you're going to have me pounded by Hassan Whiteside for a full series when you want me to play four series. I mean, I don't know, man. I just think that uh, you either want to win or you don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you came here to win. You, this ain't New Orleans, dude. Listen, I, I'm not rejecting or dismissing your No, no, I know, I know, I know. You're you're just presenting. Just like you're, yeah, you're presenting the other side. I get it. Yeah, yeah, so, some, some amount of time. And I think the amount of time they've used it is appropriate to me. I, I mean, because then what are you going to do if you play them there 40 minutes or, you know, no, 35 no. minutes a game? Do you cut out the other centers? I think – you know, the what Frank did do in game two was you didn't see as much minutes for Dwight and JaVale, and that opened up a rotation spot that was split between Dion and JR. And and neither played particularly well, but at least JR got to see the ball go through the hole a couple times and, and maybe that will pay off in his rhythm and comfort factor if he gets uh, you know, more of a chance as the series goes on. Uh Dave what do you believe is going on with LeBron and his lack of efficiency? It's very unlike him um, outside of one game, I believe, in the bubble, which was the game after he took the day off or the game off um, where he was LeBron. Uh, he has he has been good. Like, granted, look, he had a historic performance in game one. But I'm just talking about purely from an efficiency standpoint. LeBron is a, you know, you know it, I know it, 55% type guy, right? Um, yeah. And I, I don't feel like he's in that groove. Um, what do you think is the issue there from an efficiency standpoint? I mean, to me, the thing that stands out, he's not finishing around the rim like he normally does. I mean, the guy is outside from being a tremendous athlete, one of the best athletes ever played in the NBA, and being able to finish above the rim. He's also ambidextrous. You know, uh, he shoots right-handed, but he, he writes with his left hand, and that allows him to have so much more touch around the basket with his left hand, he hasn't been finishing shots that he normally does, like in traffic or, you know, and one, how often we see him get an and one where the ball falls through and he pounds his bicep like, I'm so strong. Well, a lot of times he's getting fouled now and the ball's not going in and then he's going to the foul line and he's unreliable at the foul line, as we saw in game one. Um, so, you know, obviously rhythm-wise, he doesn't have it yet. Um you know, I, I there's been a couple of encouraging signs. He had the what the one seeding game where I think he hit what five threes. Um, so it's not like it's completely gone. And uh, you know, again, to me, 
as long as he doesn't take too many threes until he has that uh, rhythm, I think the Lakers are going to be just fine because uh, he can be three happy at times. And also he's a guy who loves the moment. I'm sure he sees the adulation that uh, Dame Lillard is getting for these deep threes, and that was something he was starting to incorporate into his game uh, leading up to March before the season went on hiatus. So overall, I'm not too worried about it, but uh, yeah, it's fair to point out. I mean, you know, will he get his legs underneath him and finish around the hoop? Or would this be, you know, a further sign? You know, maybe last year was the first time we said that he took a half a step back with a groin injury. Would this be a second half step back if he's just not finishing the way he used to? Well, See, I, I, I'm not willing to go that far, right? Here, here's my – I'm going to just play hypoth, you know, hypothetical doctor here, right? Uh, you know, I'm going to play one on the radio for you. Um, I, I just think it's as simple as this. He's used to being on a certain calendar to get his body right. And yep. that calendar has been completely blown up and thrown out of whack. And he's had this truncated, um, you know, restart where he's had to try to get his body to a certain level. And it's just not going to happen that quickly. Uh, I think it's just as simple as that. Now, maybe I'm crazy, but that feels logical to me after all the years of the, you know, knowing the way he's done things. Yeah, and I, I think that's totally fair. Like, like I said, time will tell. I mean, and, and some of it is the body clock he's on and you know, we're kind of speaking the same language. Does he need more time to get back yeah. into that rhythm that he had established? Because clearly from post all-star break until the hiatus, he was playing his best basketball of the season, his best yeah. basketball as a Laker, far mm-hmm. none. And mm-hmm. what he has done so far hasn't really resembled that. The numbers in game one were spectacular and the passing was spectacular. Uh, but an encouraging sign along this conversation was in game two, when they were starting to really take control of the game, LeBron was operating out of the low post, and he doesn't need to have that explosion uh, to do that. You know, he had one beautiful wraparound dump-off pass to Anthony Davis. It was a gift wrap to see, uh, uh, assist. And he had a, another where he just kind of played bully ball. And, you know, I think it was Trent on him, back Gary Trent Jr. into the post, and it wasn't pretty, but he got the job done. And um, and maybe we see more of a diet of him in the post uh, until he you know feels like he has his full uh, body working in in you know in all cylinders. I saw a little Dion Waiters yesterday. I felt like uh, you know I felt like you uh, you know you probably had a little glimmer in your eye, Mister Syracuse. You saw your guy. You saw your boy Jr. Uh, you know, he didn't hit very many shots, but, I, I, you know, <laughs> it, I, I will yeah, say this. Like over six or something. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, but it is – I, I think that you know this, right? Like you, you've been through these, you know, crazy playoffs, you know, extended playoffs before. You're going to get these wacky games where you're going to have a game where some random person needs to perform. And – I feel like those guys are going to be candidates for one of these situations where they're down 16. Vogel just says, the hell with it. I'm going to try something different. And that's where, you know, uh, that's where legends are made, basically. You know what I mean? You have the Dion Waiters game or the JR game. Like, I, I think that their depth is better than what people think because at least those guys are capable. Now, they haven't played very much in, in a long time. But how confident are you that they can kind of get their sea legs if needed? I, I think it behooves Frank Vogel to keep giving them a chance. And again, 
do this thing where he cuts the total minutes for Dwight and JaVale uh, in order to develop one of these guys to give them a, a chance to be a contributor. Um, would you mind if I bring a little off-air uh, texting conversation to the show right now, though? Because Absolutely. Who was, you, who was the guy you did not want to play in game two? KCP, get his ass out of there, I said. Right. And I said it on the air, so it's not like I just text okay. you. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. So, I mean, you know, Frank, he obviously, as much as we want to read the numbers and read body language, and I, I respect your opinion and you respect mine, Frank knows what he's doing. Like, he knows what he has. And uh, I, I, I think the faith, obviously, in KCP has paid off dividends time and time again this year. When he's gone through rough stretches, uh, Frank stuck by him. And uh, KCP showed that, that he's a fighter and he's a worker. And, I mean, he has a beautiful look at shot. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't go in as much as it should, but when it gets going, I mean, he's a really effective player. Well, I, he certainly trusts him more than I do. We'll see what the rest of the uh, series and the rest of the playoffs look like. All right, McMiniman, I got to run, man. Thanks for taking the time as always, brother. Be safe. Yeah, you too, George. All right, brother. Take care. There he is, Dave McMiniman with us here. All right, LZ's going to be back. Hopefully we get him connected. We're back in two minutes. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Time for what you need to know. But before that, LZ's back. Hello, LZ. I'm back, baby. You can't hold a good brother down. You also can't hold a bad brother down, which I think I'm in the latter category. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's time for what you need to know. Uh, LZ, uh, I, want, I'm, I wanted to talk to you about this. We talked about this off the air, but obviously the Tom Brenneman situation happened yesterday while we were not uh, on the air, or two days ago. It uh, was discussed at nauseum yesterday, but the update today is he has been taken off of his assignments on Fox Sports uh, for making the uh, gay slur um, where he thought he was off camera or off mic, and he said it into a hot mic. He has obviously apologized for it. People were mocking him uh, because he was doing his apology and like a home run happened in the middle of it, and he still called it. Um, I, I don't know how to think about that. <laughs> Like, did you laugh when that happened? Because it was weird when that part happened. No, I didn't laugh. I mean, it, it's it was a slur. And no, 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 it, no. The home run part. The home no, run. No, no, part. no, 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 no. But I'm saying it was a slur, and he's trying to apologize for the slur. Right. So I, I wasn't really distracted that he also called the home run because I was still trying to figure out how he got there to begin with. Right, you right. Know what I mean? it, it, it just was weird, though. Like, it he was, was all like, weird. In the middle of, I'm sorry because I, uh, you know, I'm a man of faith and I don't say that, and uh, there's a uh, deep drive to left field. Nick Castellanos has hit a home run. But as I was saying, <laughs> uh, and it was just, like, so seamless. I was like, dude. Um, and, but, that's, and that's the problem, right? Yeah. The anti-gay slur was seamless. Yeah. The home run call during an apology was seamless. Yeah. When you're that seamless and there's no hiccup, it makes you wonder if you give a damn to begin with. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next, we will move on to the Raiders. And Mark Davis has now officially welcomed their new stadium, Allegiant Stadium. They're calling it. Do you want to know what the nickname is, LZ? What? 
the Death Star. Good God. I'm sure that's going to work for some people. I mean, certainly, you know, all the Darth Vader, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I get all of that. But you do know the thing was blown up multiple times. Like it was blown up twice. Right. And then it was blown up thrice. Yeah, right. And it all and it was always the same. They fell for the banana in the tailpipe every single time. It was basically every single time. It's just this little hole. It's kind of like the exhaust. It's almost really like the banana in the tailpipe in Beverly Hills Cop. Um, it's like this exhaust system that kept getting it uh, destroyed every single damn time. Uh, Greg Bergman, you are a Raider fan. What do you make of the Death Star as the nickname for Allegiant Stadium? <laughs> Look, at first when he said, it, I was like, yeah, that's a great name. I'm all in. And then Elzieta just. Ruin that for me by saying it got blown up. I mean, up. he's not wrong. He's not, not wrong. I mean, and it was blow, and it was blown up by like Luke Skywalker, who barely knew how to use the Force. Right. Like he was. Right. It was like losing to like a rookie. Yeah. A rookie Jedi came in and blew up your multi-billion-dollar like industry, basically. Yeah. Yeah. All it took was one little shot to go in the right spot one time, yeah. and then boom. The with his eyes closed, too, by the way. <laughs> he did with his eyes closed. His eyes were closed. Yeah. I mean, he was he just, not, then he was the just straight there. mocking you by doing it with yeah. his eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. now I'm, I'm not as, as excited, but I still love it because I was hoping they were going to call it something like that anyway. <laughs> uh, right. And lastly, the black L hole. lastly LZ, that. two NBA finals today. Um, the Raptors destroyed the Nets. And the Jazz destroyed the Nuggets. Um, a, are we sleeping on the defending champs? And B, are the Nuggets just frauds? I believe some people are certainly sleeping on the defending champs. I'm not one of those people because I I knew that Kawhi didn't do it by himself to begin with. Right. That's a really talented squad over there with a great coach. I don't know why people aren't giving them the respect that that squad needs, but they need to do that. As for the Nets, I mean, come on, dog, come on, come on. It's, it's, I mean, they, I mean, they're there to get exercise. Yeah, they don't no, have any of their players. Come are on. the Nuggets frauds? Well, I never believed. They got whacked again by Utah. Yeah, I didn't believe in them. Did you believe in them? Okay. I mean, they're the did three you believe seed, in them? You know, like. No, yeah, I did didn't. Believe in them? I did not. I took yeah, a lot of I grief mean, on the internet because of it. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it because. When your go-to guy, when your number one guy, when your leader has to be prodded into being a leader, you're probably not going to go far. And as long as Jokic is hesitant to be assertive in that way and they have to convince him to be that dude, you're not. You're just not going to go anywhere. You just aren't. You, you'll have a good regular season, but I always am going to view you as a fraud until your number one guy behaves and leads like an alpha. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and Michael Porter Jr. is clearly lost out there defensively. Like, it's as good as he is offensively, he can't stay on there to defend anybody. So, all right, that's what you need to know. Uh, let's get back to the Lakers, uh, LZ. AD at center seemed to be the solution. Now, McMiniman and I got spicy. And, um, you know, because I said, I want to see more than 15 minutes. And Dave's like, no, um, that, you know, you 15 minutes is enough. Is 15 minutes at center enough for you with Anthony Davis? I don't – I mean, I understand technically you have to say what position he is, but, I mean, his position is basketball. So if the question is, you know, is 15 minutes with Anthony Davis as the biggest player out there enough, then I would yes. say no. And, and that's Correct. how I would approach it. I would say no. Like the whole center thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
It's like, yeah, whatever. It's like LeBron James playing point guard. Is he? I don't know. Who cares? He's distributing the ball. He's handling the rock. He's he's doing the damn thing. And for AD, is he playing center? I don't know. Is he the only certain footer the Lakers have out there? Yes. So do I need more than 15 minutes of him being the biggest guy out there for the Lakers? Yes. In fact, I want him to always be the biggest guy out there and that AD should have breathers with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee and not be supplemented with them. Yeah, I, I just How do you feel that about that? It, it, in, well, um, I, yeah, I don't, I'm good with that, actually. I'm good with that. What I would say is I, I just think that in this series, LZ, when you're mm-hmm. talking about Whiteside and Nurkic, and as you pointed out in the first segment, he has such a clear athleticism advantage, right, um, against those two particular guys. And just there's a speed advantage. They can play inside, outside. You know what I mean? Like he's faster than them in the post. Um, you know, he could clearly take them out to the perimeter where they're not comfortable. He opens lanes for LeBron or anyone else for that matter, uh, but particularly for LeBron. I just think all that stuff, the shooters have better spacing when he's the five, right, because he's not – um, out on the perimeter he's out he can potentially be in the post for a minute and and as dangerous as he is from there because of the quick spin move or whatever you know guys have to send a double then all of a sudden there's going to be an open shooter like all those things to me make sense as to why you should play him more in this particular series just to take one of their big men off i mean and that's the thing making them smaller is helping us that's why I'm like, let AD be the only guy. And and trust, I love what Dwight and JaVale McGee bring to the table. Absolutely, I do. But when they're out there, to your point, the spacing is different. And with the spacing being that different and the shot still not falling as a pretty good clip, well, let's be real, KCP was really the only one stroking that three last night. The clip isn't still, isn't still where I want it to be. I would just much rather have them be forced to play small ball with us, recognizing that our version of small ball is still pretty damn big. Yes, like if, agreed. If, if, if we were to have Kuz start at the three, LeBron at the four, and AD at the five, that's a big-ass squad, but that's our version mm-hmm. of small ball. And we mm-hmm. should just be able to roll that out there and dominate this smaller squad, and then for the next series, kind of figure out what's next, though, you know, I would think that if you have a great deal of success with that lineup, you would stick with it. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, Frank, we were a little critical of him the other day about, uh, you know, not riding the hot hand or whatnot. But speaking of Frank, so I asked McMiniman, and I'm curious to get the audience's thoughts on this. If you want to chime in, 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. How do you manage the AD center thing if you're Vogel? And McMiniman's point was, and I get it. Like, you know, he could be a free agent. You know, he if Frank makes him play more than he wants to there, he can be like, look, you didn't take care of me. You made me bang with Hassan Whiteside and Nurkic and all these guys, and you need me for all these series. To my response is to Dave is like, and again, he's playing devil's advocate, was just like, well, do you want to win or not? You know what I mean? And, and I go, right. if it's not Vogel's spot, if it's not Vogel's um, place to say that because he needs to be careful, and I understand that, it's kind of LeBron's spot to say that, no? I mean, I mean, it's, it's, seriously, like, can I just be real, real, real for a second? Yeah, go ahead, please. You shouldn't have to be convinced to play center when you're seven feet tall. 
Mm-hmm. No one should have to come to you and tell you why it's a good thing that you're the big body out there when you're the big body out there. Right. Like I, I get it. You grew up a point guard and you know, your skill set is, is second to none because of it, but maybe your mentality came over with it too. And you still view yourself in some capacity as that perimeter guy and not as the big body that you are. You can blend those two things together. I mean, for the most part, when you look at the eighties and nineties, those seven footers that we cherish as icons, they all had jumpers. Patrick Ewing was a great jump shooter. Yeah. Elijah Wan's a great jump shooter. David Robinson. Yeah. David Robinson had a jumper. <laughs> I mean, so they didn't have the handles of AD, but it wasn't as if they were married to the paint and couldn't do anything outside of the paint. They were dangerous out there too. You can throw in Tim Duncan, who basically was a five, masquerading oh as a four. For sure. Right? You, I mean, so it's like you shouldn't have to be convinced to play big when you're big. Right. And you shouldn't need anyone to be gingerly talking to you about playing more minutes as a big body when you're the big body. This this is the aspect or the dynamic. I when I when I talked about it, you know, with Ireland when we had crosstalk a couple of days ago, yeah. was that you know, there may be a reason why he couldn't uplift his team further in the postseason when he was in New Orleans, and maybe it's because he wasn't always willing to do the ugly things to get his team over the hump. Oh, and, it's one funny. Of the ugly th- and one of the ugly things just very well may be you got to play down low and be gritty and throw elbows and stuff like that because that's what we need from you right now. Right, and by the way, it doesn't have to be down low. You know what I'm saying? Like, just as we talked about, you bring them, you make those guys uncomfortable by letting them guard you on the perimeter and then breaking them down, which he did a number of times in that game. Real quick, because you mentioned Ireland. I thought it's just funny. He, he brings me on, and you were having your technical difficulties. He's like, you know, George, do you remember what we were talking about the other day? And I said, yeah, Anthony Davis. He's like, yeah, you brought up the fourth quarter. He didn't have any points in the fourth quarter in this game. It didn't matter. And I said, John, you seem to forget the majority of the conversation was LZ and I telling you he needs to play more assertively and needs to play center more. <laughs> like, I like how you conveniently forgot that part of the conversation. Oh, uh, well, you know. You know, he's a well-skilled young man, that John Ireland. you got to watch him. He's very nimble. He's very quick. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I, and I don't want to sound like – the, the the dude who's second guessing the trade or second guessing the talent of Anthony Davis because I'm not, I am not. When we were trying to get him a year ago, I was like, give them the damn Staples Center if they want it. Get Anthony right. Davis. I didn't care because I that dude is extremely talented, but he can be frustrating for me, someone who grew up watching ball in the '70s, '80s, and '90s, because I also know that sometimes a dunk is just a dunk. <laughs> and I'd right. much rather just have a dunk than watch you try to cross over a big guy on the perimeter. Just get down there and dunk on him. Impose your will. Oh, man. It's pretty wild. So, all right, coming up next, you and I, LZ, hey. we're going to take calls. The The people want to speak to us at 877-710-ESPN about how to manage this uh, AD center thing if you're Vogel in the Lakers. Because, look, Dave brings up valid points. The whole – He's holding you hostage a little bit, right, with the free agency thing. So he does have that chip to play. So we'll get to that. We'll get to some of those calls. Plus, the draft lottery was uh, going on yesterday, and there's a old nemesis for the Lakers that all of a sudden has popped up as a potential new nemesis again for next season. And how much should we start to worry about that? We'll get into that in just a second. 
It's Sedano and LZ on 710 ESPN. We're back in three minutes.